All right. Thank you, Pastor. Um, goodness, if you make a CD, we'll put that on the back table, too. That was, uh, that was a blessing. Thank you both for that. Um, that's simple, precious truth that, um, that God loves us, and uh, His love ought to, uh, if you read any, really just about any kind of passage in the Scriptures, but especially I'm thinking of Romans 12 right now, um, boy, you see that um, His love sure deserves our commitment and our love back to Him. So um, he is worthy of it. All right, turn your Bibles to the book of Ruth. You don't turn there probably extremely often, but that's where we are headed tonight. Turn to the, uh, to the book of Ruth. Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth. Okay, and that's where uh, we'll be in your Bible. It's just that little book uh, right after Judges. So take your time. You may uh, have to. You may flip forward past it, and then behind it, uh, a time or two. But that's okay. Well, um, good to see you all. Glad you made it out on a Monday, and uh, hope that you are having a uh, a good day. How many of you would say today was definitely a Monday? <laughs> I say that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. There are some days um, where I just. Uh, uh, yeah. Where. It, I don't know what it is, but it is uh, maybe maybe there is something about uh, uh, a curse on Mondays. But you know what? The Lord is still He's still with us. He's still good, and He still deserves our obedience. And um, and uh, so, but anyway, uh, I hope you're ready for uh, for something from God's Word tonight because this is going to be good. I think it will really encourage you, and I think it will help you. And uh, maybe we'll learn some uh, some new things tonight. Uh, maybe you hadn't seen before, but I think you'll uh, really be blessed. By it, and so uh, let's jump in at Ruth chapter one, and uh, let's go down to verse number nineteen. Ruth chapter one and uh, verse number nineteen. We'll read a few verses, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into it. Uh, the Bible says, "So they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the pe- all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi?' And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi.'" Call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest." Let's go ahead and uh, let's pray, and uh, we'll uh, we'll jump into the scriptures. Lord, thank you so much for uh, letting us gather here tonight. Um, as we've seen in these last few months, um, we don't always know if we'll always be able to gather. So we thank you uh, for your house and for the believers that have gathered here. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus as their Savior, um, that they would that they would turn to you before it's eternally too late. And Holy Spirit, we just pray. Um, would you please give us conviction and um, convict where there needs to be conviction. Bring great comfort tonight where there needs to be comfort. And that uh, we just ask that you do this for your name's sake and for the sake of those who are watching, listening. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, you know, in the, uh, in the course of life, does not life sometimes give us what I'm just going to call for lack of a uh, more complicated word? Does life not sometimes give us surprises? 
Um, stuff that was not written on the calendar. I'll tell you this. I am a, I, I am a calendar kind of guy. I love my calendar. I love a schedule. I love to write things down. Um, one of the things I do is I schedule out um, churches and camps. I have some, I have some churches scheduled out into 2021, 2022, and I have some camps scheduled for 2023, believe it or not, uh, that far out in advance. And uh, do you know that uh, if they have, if, you know, if they this month, someone scheduled me for the year 2023, and I wrote it down, you know what, we wouldn't have to communicate until the day before those dates, and I'd have it there, because I just, I, I like to have a calendar, I like schedules, and I don't like surprises. And, um, but do we not all get surprises, the things that are supposed to happen to everybody else, the things that we're supposed to read that happen to everybody else, and then when they hit us, whoa, surprises, such as um, when my son was born, uh, most of you have, have now you met Samuel when he was born. Uh, you never would have known it. Uh, I, I don't really enjoy pictures of my son uh, from the day he was born up to about six days old. I really don't like looking at any of them at all because, unknown to us, uh, our son was dying and we didn't even know it. And as we were watching, and so he uh, uh, he had a, a heart defect, and um, and so his uh, his heart problem uh, was beginning to compound as he began to just uh, be um, disconnected from the umbilical cord. Finally, at six days old on Thanksgiving night, uh, he crashed. And we almost lost him that night at Thanksgiving. We watched, I watched him stop breathing on the table at the hospital. And they had to life flight him to the children's hospital in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, thank the Lord, they were the hospital that won the U.S. News um, Award for 2019 for children's heart doctors in America, which basically would be kind of the world. And so God put us in the world, literally the world's best place for our son. And God preserved him and protected him. And he's, we spent two weeks in the, um, in the children's hospital there. He's alive. And as you can tell, he's doing just fine. Uh, he'll have to have probably some more surgery later on in life. But you know what? I, I forgot to write on my schedule two weeks in a NICU with a baby. You know, I didn't know that that was something that was going to come along. You know, I'm used to watching other people put on Facebook about maybe how a child is crashing, about how maybe they've lost a child even. And uh, I never thought those things, something that would be even close to that would happen to me. But you know, it's oftentimes surprises come and, um, and we better, folks, we had better understand God and what he is doing when surprises come, lest when they do come, we get angry at God. That is probably one of the biggest dangers of when, when hard things come, when circumstances come that we weren't ready for, when surprises come, is that it is so tempting to get angry at God. Why? Because we know what we've been taught. Sometimes we know what, well, he's supposed to be good. But we're not able to reconcile how is this good. We know that he is in control, but we cannot reconcile how is this being in control. And you know, we could talk about the year 2020. Didn't we have a couple surprises this year? You know, kind of worldwide, you know, uh, uh, not even nationwide, but worldwide. Um, you know, and you know, those are like the big things we think about. But then some of us in these last six months, you have had a surprise that no one else knows about, but that hurts deeply. Folks, if we don't understand what God is doing and why he is doing it, when the as I like to put it, when the lights are on, then when the lights go out, we're going to get mad at God. And some of you might be. Because when the lights were on, you didn't take time to know and understand who God is, what he is doing, 
So that all of a sudden when the lights go out and the surprises come, all of a sudden we get angry at God. So what we're going to do tonight, we're going to look at a woman here in the book of Ruth who found an enormous amount of surprises come her way in life. And uh, we're going to look at her life and she, because she was someone who became bitter and angry towards God because of surprises in her life. And we're going to look at it lest we come to bitterness against God as well. Because if you think that uh, if there is ever a time you think, well... Thank the Lord, I'm pretty sure I am beyond such and such ever happening to me. I'm beyond ever becoming, having to, you know, crumbling to this sin. Look out. Because when we think, you know, the Bible doesn't say in vain, take heed lest you fall. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest you fall. So, let's look at tonight. We're going to look at the bitterness of an old woman. Look, if you would, at verse number 19, or well, we're going to start actually at verse number 1 of chapter 1, and see this first, is that bitterness often begins with surprises. Um, you know, when it is, uh, all, you know, normally when things are going okay, when things are just normal, it's, you know, oftentimes that is the easiest time to have a good relationship with God and to just, you know, kind of enjoy uh, walking with the Lord. But when surprises come and things happen that we were not ready for, that is when the temptation for bitterness will come. We're going to look tonight and a woman by the name of Naomi, a woman who experienced many surprises in her life and became bitter against God. Notice, first of all, what the first um, surprise, the first difficult circumstance was that came her way. It says in Ruth chapter 1, verse number 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. Stop right there. Because that ought to tell you something about the, uh, about the, uh, the culture of the day, the political scenario of the day. Because um, Judges chapter 21 tells us that the time of the judges, when the judges ruled in Israel, it was a time when every man did what was right in his own eyes. You think maybe today we're experiencing people doing what is right in their own eyes? You think we have it bad? It was a whole lot worse there. I mean, there was not to be crude or crass, but I mean, there was, things got so bad by the end of the time of the judges that out of anger, someone took another person's body, cut it up and mailed it out to different people to start a war. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It was a, it was a really, really bad time. If you wanted to, uh, there was a crime against you, you were your own police force. And if you didn't stop them, there was no one to try to take care of you or to deliver you. And so the time of the judges was a time of political instability when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This is the time that Naomi lived in. Then verse number one says uh, that in this time, there was a famine in the land. So on top of the fact that you have a horrible political situation, the economy has collapsed. And uh, when the economy has collapsed, it says that there was a famine. Basically, uh, there was an incredible shortage of food. Now at this time, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. Everyone needs food. And if everyone's livelihood is agriculture, when it's all taken away, then it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Everyone's in the same boat because it doesn't matter how much, at that point, how much money you can pay for some food because no one can eat silver. No one can eat a shekel, and everyone's looking for food. And so she's living in a time of political instability when there was a famine. And then the Bible then says in verse number one that a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, that's her husband, Elimelech, it says he went to sojourn. The word sojourn just means uh, to dwell somewhere for a little time, but you're not actually a citizen of that nation. So he says he went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Folks. Moab and Israel didn't get along. 
Remember last night we talked about, you know, pick, a, uh, pick one of those nations that, uh, that we just, the United States doesn't get along well with, like Russia, Iraq, North Korea. How would you, uh, how would you feel if, um, especially ladies, if your husband said, okay, we're going to be moving to North Korea because things are better there? Okay, you know, all right, I don't know how that works, but you know, he was the leader, he was the boss, and so by no choice of hers, they're being dragged into the, she is being dragged into the country of Moab, I guess the famine wasn't as bad there, but it was really a very faithless decision by her husband to move out of the promised land, to move out of the area where God had said, if you want to know blessing, you, you know, be inside of the land that I have given you, and they're moving to this nation called Moab, a place that had been at odds with Israel for such a long time. Well, so they moved there, her and her husband and her two sons moved there, and verse number three says, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. So her husband dies. So political anarchy, famine, moving to a nation that hates Jews, and then her husband dies. Well, then it says, at least she had her two sons, and she was left with her two sons. But verse 4 says that they, the two sons, took them wives of the women of Moab. So both of these boys married Moabite girls. Folks, these girls would have been unsaved girls that cared nothing about the God of Israel. That they probably worshipped idols. Who knows? In fact, now remember, Moab was the nation that sent that sent the Moabite girls into Israel's camp to try to get them uh, to do all kinds of acts of immorality. So these girls that her sons married, for one thing, were unsaved. They probably were, or they were idol worshippers, and they may have just been straight up immoral girls. Do you think that might have discouraged Naomi just a little bit to know that her boys had both married unsaved, idol worshipping? Probably immoral girls. Yeah, it, would have, it probably would discourage you. It discouraged her. And it says then in verse number four, or verse number five, and Malon and Chilion, that's her two sons, died also. So, so all of a sudden now she is left. Now her, her, her boys have died, and uh, and uh, her husband has died, and now she's stuck in this nation uh, that that doesn't like Jews. And she goes home. There's famine and there's political anarchy going on. She had a whole lot of surprises. I don't think she scheduled on her calendar that year for her husband to die, to move to uh, the nation of Moab, to, for her sons to die, for them to marry unsaved, uh, idol-worshipping girls. I mean, this was not easy. And by the way, a lot of these decisions that really hurt her were not her decisions. She didn't decide for there to be political anarchy. She didn't make the decision to go to Moab. She didn't decide for her husband uh, to die or her boys to marry unsaved girls. She didn't make these decisions. And a lot of her suffering was the result of other people's decisions. You ever been there? Where there's a whole lot of suffering and not all of it is really, if we could really say it this way, your fault. And surprises have come your way. Listen, hard circumstances, or we could say surprises, are your chance to either get bitter at God or to trust Him. When surprises come, and haven't we been hit with them in the year 2020, that is our chance are we going to get angry and bitter at God, or are we going to trust him that he knows where the light is at the end of the tunnel? 
Which one are we going? Which one are we going to do? And Naomi made the wrong choice. Naomi chose to get angry and to get bitter. Now, oh, what happened? Here's number two: is that bitterness usually starts when surprises come. But number two is this: is that if should you become bitter towards God, bitterness will become the distinction of who you are. Look at verse 19. So. It says in verse 19, and in the previous verses, it says in verse 19, that they too went until they came to Bethlehem. So Naomi made the decision. Once her husband had died and her sons had died, basically she said, there is nothing for me here. We're gonna, I'm going to leave the nation of Moab and, and in, through some circumstances that we'll look at briefly towards the end. Uh, one of her daughters-in-law uh, stays with the Moabites and the other one says that she will come with her back into the land of Israel. So Naomi and her daughter-in-law Ruth, this Moabite girl, are now coming back into Bethlehem. And it says in verse 19, so they too came until they came unto Bethlehem. That was where uh, Naomi was uh, and her husband were from. It says, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem. Notice what it says. It says, all the city was moved about them. Now, understand this. Uh, the verb there, moved. Now, Please don't let me, please don't think that I'm some kind of um, genius, okay? Um, when I was in Bible college, I took six semesters of Greek and two semesters of Hebrew. You know what that means? It takes me a long time to figure it out, okay? Uh, I am not some kind of language genius. That would probably be a little bit more my sister. Uh, she speaks fluent French and uh, lives in Quebec, or well, Ottawa, Canada, or, um, uh, Ontario now, uh, but she's lived in Quebec for a while, so she's the one whose language is, but I'm the one who, like, studied you know, studied it because, you know, the Bible, New Testament written in Greek, Old Testament written in Hebrew. But so don't think that, uh, that, uh, that I know some kind of, um, uh, don't think that I'm smarter than you because I can say this word in the Hebrew means this. It just means I've got a basic understanding and I've got some good books that help me uh, understand what's, what's going on there. So the Hebrew word here that says that the city, as Naomi and this Moabitess girl Ruth come walking back into their hometown of Bethlehem, it says that the city was moved about them. And the verb moved here has the idea of almost like to hum. If you know grammar or literature, the word onomatopoeia, the idea of just, uh, the, uh, the, the, so the idea of moving and humming and buzzing. When they walked back in, remember, they're coming home. Naomi, at least, is coming home. She's coming back to familiar neighbors. She's coming back to friends and coming back to neighbors and coming back to probably some family. And so it says that the city began to move and hum and buzz that Naomi was coming back. But listen now. One thing I found is that also this verb uh, moved has to, just uh, to, to make it simple and quick, this verb moved that buzzed about has a feminine nature to it. The idea here is, uh, you know, you know how sometimes um, if you ever, I had to take Spanish and, uh, well, you know, most other English doesn't really do this, but in most foreign languages, if you're going to talk about a group of guys, you're going to use, you know, you'll use a male, uh, you'll use male pronouns that'll look the same with the verb. And if it's just a bunch of females, it'll have, uh, you know, you could just describe them using, you could use uh, the female form of verbs and nouns. But if they're mixed, men and women, you use the male, uh, you use the male form of the verb and the pronouns and such. So if you saw uh, a verb, especially in Hebrew does the same thing. And the Hebrew here, the verb and the pronoun uh, idea that goes with it has the idea that the ones who are moving about it, that it was feminine. In other words, the ones who were buzzing and the ones who were humming and talking all about when Naomi was coming back, it was the ladies. 
Well, you can see that happening. You can see, you know, uh, this lady and this lady, they're inside this house, and boom, the door busts open, and a lady comes running and says, you'll never guess who's in town. Who? Who's come back? It's Naomi. <gasps> Naomi, no way. She's already back in town. Yes, she is, and I saw, you'll never believe who I saw her with. You, you don't say, yes, I saw her with a Moabitess. No. Yes, I did. I sure did with my own eyes. Where are they? Are they out the window? Let's look. <gasps> she is. I wonder what she's doing. I, I don't know, but we should probably find out. Does anyone know? I don't know. Can you get the idea of what's going on? Probably, maybe it sounds like some of your Hallmark movies, uh, if you uh, watch that kind of stuff. I'm not a big Hallmark fan. But the, the everyone was moving and buzzing about because they're saying, because they're saying, whoa, Naomi is back in town because they all knew that her husband had made the bad choice of leaving and going to Moab. And they said, whoa, what's she back for? And you're looking out there thinking, wait, she left with her husband and her boys. Neither of them are with her. And there's a Moabite girl coming back with them. They would have been so confused and it sure would have started a whole lot of talking. And so it says that they, um, that it came to pass when they were come to, um, and when they were come to Bethlehem, all the city was moved about them. But it says, and they said, is this? Naomi? In other words, they were they were thinking, well, this should be her, but then she wasn't recognizable. Why? Well, verse 20 is tells us why. She, Naomi, said unto them, unto the lady, she said, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. So she says, Don't call me by my normal name anymore. I have a new name I want you to call me by. Call me Mara. Now, it was a common thing back in uh, Old Testament times that sometimes people would change their names because of circumstances that would happen to them. Um, for example, um, Abraham. It used to be Abram, changed to Abraham. Jacob, because of circumstances, his name was changed to Israel. So Ruth says, or, or, or sorry, Naomi says, I want you to change my name. Don't call me Naomi, because Naomi means the pleasant one, the sweet one, the gracious one. And she says, I'd rather you call me Mara. Now, think about this. You probably, if you know your Bible a little bit, you've heard of Mara before. And Mara, uh, if you remember, in the book of Exodus, so the nation of Israel, they come, the Red Sea splits, they walk through on dry ground, and, and the Red Sea comes back over and crushes Pharaoh's army. They go out and they sing that victory song in Exodus 15, and then right after that, you know what happens? The Israelites say, we don't have any water, and the water rat is nasty. You know where that was? Mara. It was a place where the water was very bitter. God did a miracle and changed the bitter water so that his people could drink. And so she says, don't call me Naomi. She says, that is not who I am anymore. She said, call me Mara. Bitter. The bitter one. She says, don't call me that anymore because she's, because really, especially back then, names meant a lot. And so when she says, this is no longer who I am. I am no longer Naomi. I am no longer a gracious one. I am no longer a kind one and a pleasant one. She says, call me Mara. She says, because the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly, uh, uh, hath dealt very bitterly with me. So they, these women, I mean, they knew Naomi and her whole distinction and manner had changed. And they said, is this Naomi? By the way, you become when surprises happen, you choose to become angry at God, it'll change everything about you. 
You'll think, oh, well, I'm just the same person. It's still me. No, you won't be. People, and you'll, you might get frustrated by people because they start saying, is this Naomi? Is this really you? Because what, if you allow bitterness against God to come into your heart when surprises come, bitterness will become your distinction, uh, both, both spiritually, even physically. I mean, when they said, is this Naomi? I mean, they barely even recognized her. And, um, you know, uh, maybe she had aged rapidly. You know, things get like, things like drugs, alcohol, smoking, crash dieting, sleeping, those things can age people fast. You know, bitterness can do the same thing to even age a person's body. This woman, Naomi, who had left Bethlehem as the pleasant one in her prime, had now returned haggard, destitute, and a bitter old woman. Folks, you allow bitterness to take over your life, it'll take over your life. It'll drive out every last bit of kindness that you say, oh, well, I'll always love my family. You watch. You let yourself become bitter against God. You will turn on some of the people you may have loved the most. Uh, I wonder if some of those ladies, that they might have been some really close friends. Maybe some of those ladies were family. And instead of being kind, Naomi drove them away and said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because if you allow bitterness against God into your life, it will become who you are as a person. It'll just take over and destroy you from the inside out. But here's number three, is that if you become bitter against God, is that bitterness will put the blame for circumstances on God. Notice first that she became bitter at God because she blamed him for making her bitter. Verse number 20, she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, she says, for the Almighty, now pause right there. The um, you know in our Bible we have different names for God. Oftentimes one of the ones you'll see is the one capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the Hebrew name Yahweh, very common name for God. But instead of using the name Yahweh here, Naomi picks a different name. She picks the Hebrew name Shaddai, and in English we translate that as. The Almighty. And Shaddai was the name that you gave to God when you wanted to talk about how God was in control. And so she says, the Almighty One, the one who's supposed to be in control, she says in verse number 20, uh, she says, the Almighty, the one in control, El Shaddai, has dealt very bitterly with me. Now again, don't, please don't think I'm trying to impress you in some way. Uh, the idea of this verb, again, has caused, uh, or um, uh, verse number 20 says, had dealt very bitterly with me. The phrase there, to deal bitterly, is a, uh, the verb there is a verb that is in a special form that we would, when you translate it, you would put the, you could put the word to cause something. So literally, how you could say it is this, is that uh, as she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, the bitter one, for the Almighty has caused bitterness within me. In other words, she said, God has made me mad. You say, oh, brother Matt, that's, boy, that's, that's going pretty low. That's, she must have been pretty down. I mean, what? Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, whoa, how? No one can really get that low. Yes, she be, because she allowed a hatred towards God to form. When she began to question the character of God, she actually blamed God and said, "It is your fault, God, that I am so mad." Friend, when surprises come into your life, if you don't learn to trust God, you will become mad at God. 
and you'll become and it will and you'll even blame him for things. Do we not sometimes say, God, I can't help it. God has put me in this circumstance, and he's the one making me bitter because he's given me these circumstances. Folks, the problem is not our circumstances. The problem is that the circumstance revealed what's really in our hearts all along. Is that there was not a close attachment to God. That God was just an extra thing that we added on when things were going okay. But when pressure all of a sudden came on, the circumstance exposed that your relationship with God was not what it ought to be. You know, if um, you know, if you're married, think about the the marriage relationship. If you're married, and uh, you know, when things are good, you know, it's really easy to get along with someone. But when hard times come, that's when it really gets exposed if you love your spouse. When hard times really come. Same thing in our relationship with God is that hard times reveal the problem and reveal our hearts. The problem isn't our circumstance. The problem is our bitter response to them. Notice what James says, because oftentimes we blame God and say, why are you trying to make me mad at you? But James 1 tells us why God allows these circumstances. He says, blessed is the man that endureth. Temptations, that's a word there in that context for trials. He says, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You know what he says? One of the reasons he allows trials is because if God lets trials, surprises, difficult circumstances come into your life, that is your chance to earn crowns that you can give back to God. Let me ask you this. When you go to heaven, what can you give God as a thank you, you know, as a thank you? You know, if you want to say thank you to someone down here, it's real easy. Make a little card, throw a gift card in there. And there we can say thank you to someone. What do you do to say thank you to God? Because we can't even take anything with us and, you know, into death. What, what can we do to say thank you to God when one day we stand before him and we see his holiness for what it is? And, and here we are. Here we're the sinners saved by grace. What can we give God? He says, you know what you can give back? is crowns that you earn when the surprises come for trusting me. So God's circumstances, the circumstances God allows is your chance to earn crowns. No crises, no crowns. And so God has given us that chance to be able to give something back to the one who has done so much for us. But Naomi became bitter at God because she blamed him for making her mad. But Naomi also got bitter because she blamed God for giving hurtful circumstances. Same kind of idea. Verse number 21, she says, I went out full. And the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then, here it is again, why then call you me Naomi, seeing the Lord, she says, hath testified against me. The idea there is like a, a testimony in court. She says, it's almost as if we're in court and God has given a testimony against me to get me in trouble. She says, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. There it is again, El Shaddai, the Almighty One, the one who's in control. She says, the Almighty One has afflicted me. The verb afflicted, especially in its form there, is a verb that means to do something bad towards someone, to purposefully treat someone evilly. She says, God has been evil towards me. You know, surprises come, if you don't learn to trust God, those words will slip out of your mouth too. Oftentimes we think, oh, well, I'm beyond that. I know that I should never say that about God. Oh, yeah, Naomi knew she shouldn't say that too. Yet, because it was revealed that her heart was not tied closely to her God, when it was revealed that she did not trust God, when all that was revealed, what did she say? God hates me. God has done evil towards me. You know, I wonder, 
Naomi may have um, shared the um, the belief that Job's friends did. Remember, maybe from the book of Job, Job was someone who had done, you know, he had been living for God, and all these bad things happened to Job. And Job's three friends show up, and they tell Job, you know, Job, uh, you know, if you were actually godly, if you were actually righteous, if you were actually right with God, God would bless you, because these... Um, these three friends, they shared this idea that basically, if um, if you love God, God will give you a perfect life. Well, Job said, um, yeah, that ain't what's happening right now. And because these three friends did not understand what God was doing in the midst of circumstances, they were not able to help their friend when things were going on because they did not understand God. Friend, when you don't understand God, his character, and what he is doing, it'll cause a whole lot of pain when you go through surprises. You need to understand the character of God and that he is out to help you, not to hurt you. Psalm 85 verse 12 says, Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. God says, I am, not, I am not out to hurt you. He says, I am out to bless you. And if you don't understand it now, like I said, while the lights are on, when the lights go out and everything seems wrong and messed up and surprises are pounding on us, you'll get angry at God. And you'll start to say, God hates me. God has done evil towards me. And she blamed, she also got bitter because she blamed God for taking away the things that she had. Verse number 21, she says, I went out full. Basically talking about her husband and her sons. She said, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. By the way, um, the, uh, the Hebrew does not, and in Greek, they don't use pronouns very often. In English, we use them all the time. But in uh, Hebrew and Greek, they don't use pronouns a whole lot. So when there's a pronoun in the Hebrew, there's a big emphasis on whatever that pronoun is. And in the Hebrew, Naomi says, the pronoun I is right there, smack in the middle of the Hebrew. And so basically Naomi is saying, I, I had some stuff. I had some nice things. God took them away. You know, when you become bitter, you know what oftentimes we do is we focus not on what God has given us, but on everything that God has taken away. You know, by the way, let's be careful. Like I said, we need to understand our God when the lights are on, so when the lights go off, we know what's going on. Do you do realize that everything we own, none of it belongs to us anyway? Your children are not yours. They belong to God. And I'll tell you, it was not easy to come to grips with God almost took my child. Some of you, maybe maybe you've had a miscarriage and God has taken it. You know what? Oftentimes we think, that was mine. No, it's not. God, if God gives us anything more, and if God gives us anything better than not having to spend eternity in hell, God is being really good. And so then he's, he's kind enough to throw some extra things on top of it, such as having a little bit of comfort, having a little bit of health insurance, having a little bit of some kids, having a nice spouse. God throws all these extra little things on top, and, uh, and then he gives us those things, and then we think, whoa, what, what, why are you taking them away? It would almost be like, you know, what if you, um, what if you uh, loaned a, you know, maybe what if you loaned a car to someone? Maybe if, you, know, you loaned a car to someone, and they had this car, and then all of a sudden, maybe you let them loan it for like five, six, seven years. 
Because you just didn't need, uh, maybe you had like a third car and you said, listen, I can't technically give it to you, but I can at least let you borrow it. Well, that'd be great. So you're borrowing this car. You know, this other person's borrowing this car five, six, seven years. Then maybe your kid grows up and you're like, I got to give him a car. He's got to have a car to get to and from work. And so you say, listen, uh, I need to get, to, I need that car back now, that one that I let you borrow because, you know, my son over here needs it now for work. How rude would it be for that person to say, I thought that was my car. No, at the beginning, we said, you can borrow it. That's mine. And then, and then you take it away, and that person who gets on Facebook who said, I had a car. I was full. And now someone has taken it away, and now I'm empty. You know, it wasn't yours to begin with. Why are we getting all upset? And, you know, we do that with the Lord. God has given us so much. And then when he decides to take something away, we say, God... Why are you being so mean? Why are you being so cruel? It's not cruel. He's Everything he's given us is something to borrow anyway. Job said, the Lord give and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, none of this stuff belongs to me anyway. And so think on that. You know, oftentimes we just focus on what has God taken away instead of the things that God has given us. Then here's number four, is that bitterness against God creates a lack of concern for unsaved souls. So the Bible says here in Ruth chapter 1, back up just a little bit into verse number 10. So once her husband and her boys died, those two daughters-in-law, verse number 10, they said unto her, those daughter-in-laws, surely, they said, we'll return with thee unto thy people. So, so the two uh, daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, they both said, we are willing to go back with you, Naomi, and go back to your nation, to your people. Which, remember, that's a big deal because these girls are, Mo remember, Moab and Israel, they don't like each other. And so these girls are volunteering to go into a nation where nobody would like them. But also, if they went into this new nation, they would be severing ties with their family, with their clan, with prospective new marriages. I mean, who's going to want to marry a Moabite girl in Israel? And they were severing ties also with their gods. And yet, and so they were willing literally to go and ex even to embrace the God of the Bible. And in verse number 15, uh, in verse number 15, Naomi said to Ruth, she said, behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people. So she tells the both of them, go back. Go back to your people. She says, don't come with me. So Orpah says, all right. She goes back to her people. Verse 15, and Ruth says, no, 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 I'm going to go with you, Naomi. And, and so Naomi says, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and unto her gods. Return now after your sister-in-law. In other words, Naomi said, when Ruth said, hey, I'll come. I'll be, we could put it in modern language. I want to be a Christian. I want to come back to your land. I'll, I'll learn about your God and follow your God. How many times have you had someone come up to you and say, hey, I want to be a Christian. Can I be a Christian? Will you take me along and be a Christian? I want to learn about God. And Naomi said, no, go back to your gods. You know, when you become bitter at God, you know what will happen? You will no longer care about unsaved souls. Some of you, that's the reason why you don't invite people to church, maybe. Maybe that's the reason why you stopped praying for some family members who are unsaved. Maybe that's the reason why you don't witness at work is because you are harboring some anger against God. Naomi, it was destroying. I mean, Orpah, if Orpah had come to Israel, she probably would have, can we use, again, a New Testament term? Yeah. She would have become a Christian. 
She would have learned to worship the one true God, but she, I guess, never did. Folks, watch out. Do you allow bitterness against God into your life? Your love or care at all for unsaved souls will go out the window. But finally here, and we'll close, is that bitterness can be overcome. Flip the page over to Ruth chapter 2. Um, what happened then after they had returned is that um, there, was a, there was a custom in the land, kind of a law, that had been set up that basically if you owned a field and you were going in to harvest your field, one of the things they said uh, to do was, okay, leave, they had you leave the corners of the field up and standing, so harvest everything else except for the corners. And then they also said if you drop some grain along the way, whatever your product was, leave it there. And those corners and whatever was dropped would be left there for the poor people who didn't own property and who didn't, you know, couldn't, you know, harvest their own stuff. And so, and so Ruth and Naomi, you know, the two widows that, you know, uh, two widows, they had really had no income. And so they're on, all they can do is just go out to these fields. You know, probably those corners were probably snatched up by a bunch of the poor people. And so Ruth is having to be out there amongst the fields, going just um, row by row, hoping to find just enough grains to make it through that day. Spend a whole day picking through, uh, picking through the stuff, trying to find enough grain just to live and eat the next day. And the Bible says that Boaz, the one who owned the field, comes to her. And one of the things he says for Ruth chapter 2 and verse number 12, apparently he knew something about Ruth and Naomi's situation. And he says in Ruth chapter 2 verse 12, Boaz said to Ruth, The Lord recompense or pay back thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under, look at it, whose wings thou art come to trust. You know, Ruth didn't become angry and bitter at God. You know, she had had her own set of surprises. Her husband died. Uh, she was coming into a land that did not appreciate her. She was coming into, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the uh, a re restarting economy and the time of the judges and all that. She's coming back into this. It ain't easy for Ruth either. But you know what Boaz says about her? He says, may God pay you back for the work you're doing because I can see that you are trusting under the wings of God. What made Naomi and Ruth different? It was this simple fact. Ruth, why didn't Ruth become bitter? Why did Naomi become bitter? It's because Ruth learned to trust God. God. And it didn't get much deeper than that. Boaz says, I can tell, verse number 12, you trust God. You want to avoid bitterness, hatred against God, a relationship with God that just goes out when the surprises come? Learn now while the lights are on, trust God. So let me give you some brief principles. So when, when surprises come, don't blame God for them. Acknowledge his goodness, acknowledge his control, and acknowledge that he may have some kind of purpose for the circumstances. Also, don't blame others. You know, I wonder if she blamed her husband at times for his poor choices. Don't blame others, but trust God in the midst of your surprises and messed up circumstances and access God's grace. For God has grace for every single situation that we can be in. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9. Paul said, or Jesus said to Paul, when Paul was praying about his thorn in the flesh, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made per perfect in weakness. In other words, God says, listen, I have strength and grace for you that will enable you to make it and survive through the hurt of the surprises. You know, when... When life starts to hurt, when surprises come your way, does that increase your prayer life or does that or does it increase your hatred of God? 
Does it increase your frustration or does it increase your trusting? For God says he will give the grace that we need. Hebrews 4.16 says, let's boldly come to the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. In other words, every time that we need grace, God says you can ask for it and get it. God loves to dump out grace on anyone who will ask for it. He loves it. That's how his grace works. He gives it to all who will ask. And Ruth apparently had been accessing this grace and was asking for it and was trusting God that God had some other plan that she could not see. You know what's also encouraging is that as you read into Ruth chapter 2 and Ruth chapter 4, we find out it looks like Naomi came around. In fact, uh, Ruth 2.20, she says, Naomi says to her daughter, once she finds out, oh, you met Boaz, she says, blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left his kindness to the living and to the dead. In other words, she says, oh my goodness, God is taking care of us. And in chapter four, we find out that she becomes the nurse that Boaz and Ruth get married. That was the whole book of Ruth, kind of. <laughs> Boaz and Ruth get married. And they have a child. And um, Naomi gets to become the uh, this nurse to that child. And um, the people, it says in verse number, chapter four, verse number 14, the women said unto Naomi, verse 17, the women, her neighbors, gave it a name and said, there's a son born to Naomi. So you know what they did? They started calling her Naomi again, not Mara. For her demeanor had changed. Naomi even learned, I've got to trust God. For when the lights go out, we've got to learn, are we going to trust God? Um, there's some, um, let me share this story and we'll be done. A fellow by the name of Joseph. Joseph had, um, you want to talk about surprises. He lived, I believe, in the 1800s. And uh, he was engaged, Joseph was, his fiancée was coming to visit him, and as she was, as she was coming to visit him, what, it was actually the night before their wedding, uh, he was watching out through the window, she was coming across, riding on horseback, across a bridge, and for whatever reason, when the horse was on the bridge, some spooked the horse, I don't know, but the horse immediately threw his fiancée over the bridge, into the water, she drowned the night before their wedding. I mean, what what do you do? How do you um? How do you recover? How do you re- what do you do? You know, because that's before there's you know Facebook and phone calls and such. Because you know the next day people showed up with their wedding gifts. What do you do? I don't even know. What, I don't know. Joseph then um, a little while later fell in love again, got engaged again. And uh, his fiance, she was getting baptized in a river. Baptism went fine, but because of the coldness of the river, she caught um, some kind of cold, uh, might have been pneumonia, and within a few months, she lingered and then died. What do you do? And um, Joseph was then, he's in a spot where um, it was either his, um, he, he had a little correspondence between his mom, and one of the two was in uh, Canada, and the other one was in uh, the United Kingdom. I forget which one was in which, but there was correspondence going from uh, from Britain to Canada between Joseph and his mom. His mom was having bad health. Joseph was having some bad health. His mom was really discouraged, really depressed about different things, and so Joseph already having these things happen. He's trying to encourage his mom, and uh, he writes her a letter, and to encourage his mom, you know what he writes at the bottom of his letter? He writes this. What? My friend, we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And oh, what peace we often forfeit. And oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. 
Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? Joseph said, we should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Folks, when surprises come, we got to decide, are we going to trust God? Are we going to trust God? We've had plenty as a nation here this year. You probably had ones that not many people know about. And it got covered up by COVID and, and riots and all this kind of stuff. And no one else knows about all the kind of, about the, maybe some personal hurt you've gone through. The Lord knows. And listen, if you are wise, you will make sure that you run to God in prayer and get grace. And ask him for the grace to endure so that you, and to, for the grace to help you trust God. As the song says, oh, for grace to trust him more. Folks, I don't know what your need may be tonight, but I'm sure we've all seen surprises. We need to maybe get on our knees tonight and ask God for some grace. So let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. And um, folks, let's look. I, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't need to re-preach the message. I think you know what needs to happen. Some of you are experiencing some serious surprises. Some of you are experiencing some serious problems that are just making it hard for you to trust God. Some of you need to get a hold of God's grace. So tonight, um, the altar is open. Would you please tonight, would you please Get on your knees here at the front. Have a seat on the front pew if it's difficult to kneel. But um, move out from your seat. Have a seat down here at the front. and Or get on your knees and ask God for the grace to endure, for the strength to trust when things are hard. So I'll just ask Virginia, if you don't mind, just play the song of your choice. And as she plays, would you please right now obey God? This is your chance. Please be on your knees. Come down to the front. Talk with the Lord. There's, this is the this is a bad time to go out not knowing what God is doing. This is a bad time to not have a prayer life where we ask for God's grace in the surprises and in the trials.